Welcome to the Faith and Money podcast, where we discuss the Bible's teaching on money, wealth, and generosity. Here at the Faith and Money podcast, we are passionate about helping our listeners to better love God and their neighbor with their money. You know, the Bible does speak about money, wealth, and generosity over 2,000 times. And here at Faith and Money, we are committed to helping our listeners exercise faith, joy, and contentment with the wealth entrusted to them by God. As always, your coasts are Keith Conley and the famous Crystal Wampler. Keith is the president and CEO of True Legacy Financial Planning, a financial advisory firm that serves clients who desire to receive biblical wisdom with their financial advice. Keith specializes in working with faith-based business owners, churches, and other nonprofits, ministers, and high net worth families of faith. His website is www.truelegacyfp.com. Crystal is the CEO and founder of Kinefics, a cannabis advisory solutions group based in Orange County, California. Crystal is the co-founder and co-host of The Crypto Cannabis Show, an international faith-based show <clears throat> that gives business owners within the five C's, Christ, cannabis, cryptocurrency, and cybersecurity and CPAs a platform to network and pitch their companies to help find investors, advisors, and partnerships. Crystal also serves on the board of directors of the International Cannabis Business Women's Association, an association focused on helping women launch into the cannabis industry. Her website is www.canethics.com. You can be ethical in the cannabis industry. So Keith, it's been a while since we've recorded an episode. What have you been up to? Oh, no good. You know, of course, up to all sorts of trouble. You know, I, I, I've had a couple opportunities to speak at some faith-based groups. I, I've uh, been doing some writing, uh, doing a bunch of financial planning. I'm working on a bu- bunch of financial plans for some families right now. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, this past weekend, we were just crazy busy with the family. We had a soccer tournament and three uh, concerts all in the same weekend. So uh, I'm tired. Sounds tiresome. Yeah, so, you know, we are truly grateful for each of our listeners. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you have easy access to all of our episodes. We've been making steps to make listening to our podcast easier. We're working with a production expert who has helped us to get the podcast onto some platforms and are making other improvements. We invite you to send your comments and questions to us at faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you have any criticisms, please send those directly to Crystal. Keith, always throwing me under the proverbial bus. Come on now. You know, I think it's about time it's your turn. Do you have any funny dad jokes today? All of my dad jokes are funny. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Why did the Scarecrow win an award? Why? Because he was outstanding in the field. (laughs) That's actually cute. So speaking of outstanding, our guest today is Bill Tom. I can assure our listeners that Bill is not a Scarecrow, but he is definitely outstanding. 
I've known Bill for several years now, and I've been impressed by his big heart, love for the church, and business aptitude. Bill, welcome to the Faith and Money podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Keith. Crystal? Thank you for visiting us with us today, Keith. Or, sorry, Bill. Nobody's here, Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) So, you're a pretty busy guy. You've been involved in the marketplace ministry now for 35 years. Can you give us a brief description of your experience? Yeah. So um, I started a life as uh, in the in the engineering field. I was my first job. I was a design engineer for HP and worked up in Silicon Valley for the first portion of my career that spanned a little bit less than twenty years. Uh, relocated down here in Southern California to uh, jump into the uh, private business side and actually acquired the business. Ran, grew that, and sold it uh, over uh, a little bit less than five years, and then decided to take the experience I had both in corporate as well as private business practice into uh, business advisory. I had a lot of compassion for small, mid-sized business owners uh, who may not have had the the benefit of some of the training I had, but uh, certainly through my experience, I, I empathize with a lot of issues they've had, and uh, so I started a business advisory firm working with uh, leadership development in privately held companies of various sizes from small to actually even uh, Fortune 500, uh, doing executive coaching, business advisory, and also in helping them build uh, their leadership team in executive search. Um, so in the in the marketplace, I've, I've always been conscious of my faith and looking to live that out. So I was a guy who was starting corporate Bible studies in the the conference room. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, my my faith and and what I do is is very much integrated, and that's been part of my journey. Amen, Bill. It sounds like you've been a very busy man working for the Lord's benefit. We appreciate that. Bill is joining us today to talk about his new project called Pastoral Transitions. If you've been a member or a leader in the church, you've likely encountered a pastoral transition. How many of these experiences were you were turbulent and caused division in the church? And how many times was a pastor and his family hurt? You know, I, Crystal, you know, these are really pertinent questions. The truth about of the matter is that pastoral ministry is a very lonely calling. Uh, coming from a pastoral ministry background myself, many of my closest friends and acquaintances are pastors. You know, I was once on a track to become a pastor myself, and and my own exit from that pastoral ministry track was quite turbulent and difficult for my wife and I. You know, I've seen the hurt and experienced the financial difficulties that come from leaving the ministry, and and uh, I really appreciate the work that Bill is doing. And and you know, he's not just kind of working on on one side of of the puzzle here. He's actually helping both churches and pastors in those transitions. You know, sometimes there there are are good transitions, you know, a man retiring um, or, you know, they send off a minister to another church with God's, you know, with their blessing and and, and wishing God's best from that. That that does happen and I have seen it. But I've also seen pastors leaving the ministry, but not only the ministry, they're actually leaving the faith altogether. Uh, and it's more prevalent than we might uh, believe. We've seen that here recently 
in the last several years with folks like Josh Harris and, and other uh, high profile pastors who are no longer professing Christ. Uh, and so, you know, it, I'm really appreciative and looking forward to hearing what, what Bob, Bill has to share with us. You know, that's just so surprising to me and it absolutely breaks my heart, but you know, why are some of the pastoral transitions so difficult for churches and, and also pastors and their family? Yeah, so, you know, navigating transitions for any organization is always often difficult because you've got, you know, the leader, uh, you know, one one thing is having self-awareness of uh, whether or not to leave. And then there's the dynamic between the leader and the board or whatever entity they're reporting to in terms of maintaining alignment. At pastoral transitions, we recognize that there's three categories of transition. One is when the leadership and the pastor are both aware, like, you know, there's a retirement coming up. Uh, Rick Warren just did that with his church, and, and you know, there's cooperation there. And a lot of times those those transitions uh, turn out well, not always, but uh, a lot of times they, they are because they're cooperating. Um, the other situation is, um, you know, Christian Research from Barnard Research says uh, right now, Currently, two out of every five pastors are actively looking to leave the faith, or excuse me, leave the um, uh, the profession. Uh, and you know, if you look at the Christian landscape of the church, there's no surprise why that is because of the divisive um, uh, pressures that are impacting the church. So um, there's that, and then the the third category is an area where there's a lot of hurt uh, taking place, where the leadership decides to let go of the pastor. And the pastor is, you know, has no idea. Um, I've been cognizant of this through my firm in that in, in my previous firm where we we're doing business advisory, I was um, I was a recipient of a lot of people that referred to me, Bill, can you help my buddy out who's been let go? You know, he needs some help with his resume and, and branding and so forth, LinkedIn. So we, we help with that. Those are always ministry opportunities. Uh, however, for whatever reason, God's been sending a number of pastors through my door the past decade, and every time I sit down and hear their story, it just breaks my heart, um, and it's really the impetus of why we started this firm, uh, to really help churches, their leadership, do transition better, uh, or, and also to help pastors and their families, because when pastors let go, it's not just impacting the pastor, but often the spouse needs counseling. The kids are wondering, why can't I see my friends anymore uh, at Sunday school? They're being relocated. So there's lots of carnage that, that takes place there. It's almost like being ripped from your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. You know, imagine, you know, being a 13-year-old girl, you know, the daughter of a, of a pastor You've been in that same church your whole life. You were, you know, maybe you were baptized or dedicated as an infant in that church. You grew up in that church. Your best friends are in that church. Maybe you even go to the Christian school attached to that church. Uh, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're not there anymore. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times, if, you know, you work in a, at a corporate level job, and you lose your job, you just find a, another job in maybe the next town over or, or somewhere else in the city. But it's not always that easy for a pastor, particularly if you're in a, in a smaller town or a smaller city, and there might only be 
one church of, of your flavor, whether it's Reformed or Methodist or whatever. And it's not just like I can go to the other Presbyterian church across town. It's, it's just not that simple. Right. Um, whereas if I'm, you know, a, a CFO, I can just find another position somewhere else. Um, yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. The, uh, the, you know, we, we found a study that, that shows that pastors on average takes about a year to get their next, next uh, job. And I'm not talking about underemployment where they go to Walmart or uh, Home Depot, or whatever. Nothing against those jobs, but uh, it's certainly you know, not what they were trained for. Um, a lot of people didn't realize. I didn't even realize. And I've searched, you know, I've served in church leadership. Um, pastors, a lot of times when they let go, they don't get unemployment. So imagine being, you know, out of work for up to a year. Uh, and let's face it, pastors don't get into the profession for the money. So financially, they're, you know, they they have, you know, minimal cushion. Um, and, and then with pastors, I mean, they get into it because they are called by God. It's a calling, right? And so much of their identity, and not just them, but the spouse, the kids are are wrapped up around that identity. And then and then for for them to to essentially um be let go, I mean, it it just you know, uh, causes them to really question, well, gee, you know, what am I doing, you know, am I doing wrong? Uh, what's this calling, you know, God, what's going on? Uh, so they, they go through a lot of uh, impact that is significantly more comprehensive in terms of the, the, the damage that takes place than a regular individual who just got let, let go from a job. And while, while I would never say it's a good thing, this is nothing new. Or, or terribly surprising. Um, you know, we, we see examples of, of prophets in the Old Testament being sent by God, being persecuted because they're, they're delivering God's message. I mean, even our Lord, the great shepherd, we crucified him. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm certainly not that our pastors are equivalent to Christ, but they are under shepherds of the great shepherd. Uh, and, and so he, they are sent by God. And, and sometimes, you know, for better or worse, ministers have to leave their calling. Maybe there was some sort of scandalous sin or, or maybe there wasn't. But yet those transitions, even when there is no scandal, can be quite turbulent. There can always be situations where uh, there's some sort of personality conflict, um, or someone has a power trip. I mean, I know, I know a pastor, uh, who was removed from his church here very recently. Um, and, and it was basically someone got a power trip and wanted him gone so they could take over his position. Uh, and so, you know, there was a little bit of a mutiny there. Uh, and, and that family is just left reeling. They have you know, the, the things that have been done to that family just break my heart. Uh, and, and so I've just seen so many difficulties um, in these situations. You know, I'd like to take a step back and ask about the beginning of a pastoral transition. You know, something that I tell my business owner clients is that someday at an unknown time and an unknown reason, they're no longer going to be in business. Business owners don't like to hear that. You know, bis the, their business is their baby. They built this thing from the ground up. They can never see themselves not being in business. But reality is what it is. 
the, and a lot of times business owners will leave their business it with the flash of a, a moment you know it, it it's it's a surprise they don't they didn't see it coming they didn't expect it uh you know uh as our parents get older some business owners have to stop working to care for an ailing parent or there's a divorce or there is a a uh, money issues, or maybe there's a retirement or an early retirement. There's just all kinds of scenarios, but it's the same can be said as a pastor. Uh, but what you, what have you found is a pattern of, of how tran uh, pastoral transition begins, Bill? Yeah, so I, I already spoke about the three different categories. One is when leadership and the pastor are, are uh, co-conducting that transition. Uh, the other one is when um, the pastor decides to leave on their own. Uh, and the third being um, the, the leadership is actually looking to let that pastor go. And it's in that category. And we have services that can, can service the church in all three of these areas. Uh, in, in, in my previous firm, you know, we, because we were doing leadership development and executive search, you know, I've given away thousands of hours of free career coaching. I always treat these as ministry opportunities. Uh, and then in working with business owners, you know, uh, we, we often deal with the area of transition as well. Uh, and, and one way to, to, to look at that is that, you know, every job they have, you know, there is no such thing as quote unquote permanent job. We're all temporary, <laughs> whatever we're doing. Right. Uh, and, and with, in, in working with um, uh, leaders of, of the church as well as for-profit companies, uh, once they begin to realize that, you know, that nexus point when they should transition, um, I often work with them in identifying what their values and passions are and what's next beyond, beyond this transition, right? I mean, I've known business owners who have positioned their company to sell and, and they back off in the last minute because they haven't helped to find what's, what's next and their identity as the CEO and founder of this company goes, you know, gets pushed aside and this individual gets marginalized. Uh, so knowing your core values and your calling, and that's true for both, you know, uh, non-Christians as well as Christians, what is your calling, right? And people may define that differently. Certainly for Christians, you know, we're called by the Great Commission, uh, but God's also giving you some gifts, talents, experiences that are unique to you. Uh, and you you also have you know certain areas of, of passion and interest. So let's let's cull through that and identify what those are. And in working with with uh, pastors who are transitioning, you know we we always do a reexamination of those uh, of those areas to redefine what that calling is. Do they want to continue to be a pastor, or or are you one of those two out of five pastors that Barna says are actually think about going somewhere else? you know, to a different vocation. And we've worked with a number of pastors, actually, in helping them switch careers and find actually rewarding careers where they're leveraging their pre-existing gifts and talents that are unique to the pastoral field and using them in the marketplace. Um, you know, what, what I, I love hearing uh, uh, stories of, uh, about that. And, you know, I tell people that whatever vocation you're in, that is your... Uh, your your platform for ministry. You can be a janitor, you can be a housewife, you can be a lawyer. Um, and you know, if I may just tell a quick story, um, I, I my my mother who passed away about five years ago, previous to that, I was just really trying to get her to 
uh, created Living Trust. And she would always be really touchy about that. She made comments about, you can't wait until I die and you want me money. So no, no, you know, I'm the executor. You're going to give me all this work, you know, so let's try to streamline that. So finally, one day she plops this binder on, on my lap and I open it up. It's a Living Trust. I said, oh my gosh, she thought she was calling it a will. I said, no, will's not good enough, but she was calling, you know, that's what she was calling it. So finally, I said, okay, let's go make an appointment, go see the lawyer. So we did. We stumbled with, with the lawyer, my mom, and there's something familiar about this guy. And I asked him, so have you always been doing this? He goes, no, prior to that, I was a pastor. And and I said, oh, really? What church? So he says, former Presbyterian. Oh, my gosh, that's how I know you, because that was the very first church I ever attended. Right? And so then I asked him, well, what, what caused you to leave the ministry to do what you're doing now? And he says, you know what, Bill? I minister every day to people uh, in, in, in speaking into their life and especially into life. And, and as God presents, you know, opportunities to, to share, share God with them. Uh, and these are people that would never darken the doorway of a church. So here's an individual who moved away from a church, but he's being a salt and light in the marketplace. So I, those are the type of things that I, I, I work with pastors and helping them hopefully inspire to um, you know, to look at their their calling a little differently. Yeah, I know that when you know the Lord took me out of the pastoral ministry track, it took me at least four years to figure out what was next. I mean, I was working some jobs. I worked security in downtown Portland, Oregon. I got a lot of stories about that job. Uh, I worked in an Amazon warehouse and neither of those, you know, they provided for my, my wife and I, and then my family, uh, but they weren't really rewarding in, in the sense of, of a vocation. They were, you know, just jobs, but, you know, the Lord and his providence, you know, when I was working for the state of Pennsylvania in the student loan industry, I, I found, uh, you know, financial planning and, and, and counseling on finances. And <laughs> I wish I would have talked to someone like you, you know, in 2009, when the bottom fell out for me, uh, I could have been a lot better off. And so I, you know, I, I really think that's just tremendous. Uh, what are some of the challenges that pastors and their families face when there is a sudden transition especially when it's not expected. Yeah, so oftentimes with those type of transitions, like I say, you know, the entire family's uh, affected. You know, probably the, the most, the, the, the one that manifests the entire family the most is their close relationships change. People that were close, you know, they were elders, they were leaders, lay leaders within the church, they were friends, they were part of a Bible study, fellowship, whatever, ministry. All of a sudden, those relationships at best, they get strained. At worst, they get cut off. And for somebody who's, you know, the church talks about us being brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and being family. Well, you don't do that to family, right? When, when, when we talk to churches, you know, we liken them to, look, um, you know, the, the reality is that most church leadership, they want to do the right thing, but they don't know how to navigate a difficult transition like this, especially when they're looking to let someone go, right? Usually the the, the biggest influence in the room is the, the labor lawyer who, you know, wants to protect the church from getting sued or any backlash. 
so usually the you know, the pirates get let, let go in a very dispassionate manner, very similar to to being let go from the marketplace. And, and for a lot of church leaders, you know, especially elders who are working uh, in their day job in, in leadership in a regular for-profit company, that's the way, that's what they're used to, right? But, you know, I, I, I try to give a different perspective to the leadership saying that, look, if it's family, how would you treat one of your kids or one of your family members as they go out recognizing that they have a different calling um, and they're going to be going away from you? You're not going to see them physically. But how, you know, what's the nature of that relationship, right? So as family, you want to love on them, continue, you know, as they transition out, you want to support them, you want to maintain relationship, right? Uh, so, you know, but that is rarely the case in the transitions that, that you know, I've, I've seen, experienced, or, or uh, the stories I hear from these pastors. Literally, every time I sit down with a pastor that's, that's been let go, I cry. I cried because of the fate of the pastor and the family um, and how comprehensively it's, it's adversely impacted them. But I also cried for the state of church leadership. You know, men and women who are in leadership who have conducted this in such a manner that is not befitting the family of God, right? So what we do is, you know, we want to work with leadership in, in you know, coaching them on a better way of doing this such that the transition produces a sense of the church unifying and multiplying versus the church dividing. Right. And what challenges are, are on the church side, you know, when a, when a pastor exits? Yeah. So for the church, one is actually how do you message this to the rest of the church body, right? Uh, and, and therefore, uh, you know, one of the things that most at risk for church leadership is that they do it poorly. That's going to reflect on themselves, obviously, in the church, but they're modeling this for the rest of the congregation mm -hmm. and their leaders and there's responsibility that they have. So, you know, my desire is that they be better leaders and more compassionate and we're giving them insights and advice on how to do this well, such that, um, the, the the not just the leadership but also the congregation you know comes around this this family and supports them even after they leave and that's where our services come in right i mean with my friend that i was referring to earlier uh you know he's had people from that church reach out to him so you know expressing their love for him and and how they're not happy with how this happened and and you know while you want you it's good to have people in the church reaching out and expressing their love and, and concern, it, you know, it just having that sort of a division in the church, you know, it, it, it's, it's the pastor and these people versus the leadership. It's just not a healthy dynamic. And it really right. sets up a, a bad uh, tone and, and situation for the next incoming pastor. Mm -hmm. Because now you have situations, well, well, you're not Carl, you're not Bill who was here before you're this new guy and who are you and you know we didn't we want him back and <laughs> it just creates a, a a very unhealthy dynamic right and and it's 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 sometimes um unseen where there's this this resentment that is still present within certain members of the congregation you know when we work with church leadership you know, they, they are paying us to essentially serve the outgoing pastor and their family as an extension of their care and love 
um, for that outgoing pastor, right? And, you know, from a, you know, putting on the executive pastor's hat or from a business perspective, you know, there, there's a cost to our services to providing these services to the outgoing family. But what we tell them is that if they lose, you know, the cost of our services is probably equivalent to uh, what one family given as a, a uh, given duration that they're going to be at the church, one giving unit's worth, right? So if as a result of a poor transition, they lose more than, than one, one person in congregation, all right, they're going to have huge payback. So, you know, and, and, and certainly uh, I'm sure we've all heard stories where, you know, pastor leaves and I've seen church splits uh, where a significant portion of the congregation leaves. Uh, there's residual uh, impact in terms of the, uh, the, co the congregation that's still there and, you know, having witnessed that, how impacting their psyche and also reputation of the church as well, too in the in the in the greater church community saying oh gee you know that church they, they just went through a huge split it was horrible i mean uh if you're considering going to that church you know that's not exactly a, a good good pr right right uh and so can you speak a little bit more specifically on some of the services that you're providing to outgoing ministers and their families yeah so in, in cases where there's there's a planned secession, um, we actually provide some secession planning services. So we come in and we'll we'll work with the church. We also work with uh, Christian-led nonprofits as well, helping them with you know executive director is leaving and they need someone else, um, and they just need to find the right individual. So that becomes an analysis of what the culture is. Um, and um, yeah, what, what's what's needed there to help them identify the right individual. But the the our core service that's our sweet spot is what we call kingdom placement, right? The the challenges that the pastor have on their family is you know there's financial, there's spiritual, uh, there's um, uh, vocational, uh, and then there's you know, psychological, I mean, the, a lot of times the pastor or certainly the spouse needs certified counseling. So within our organization, we, we have a source of what we call kingdom uh, outplacement. In the for-profit world, most of them are, are somewhat uh, familiar with the you know, outplacement firms. You know, a large company lets a number of people go. They contract a company to help those individuals with career coaching. With, with us, that's only one dimension. We also have uh, a number of, of pastors or ex-pastors who are willing to journey with that pastor to be a Barnabas or Jonathan to help them through that transition. And these are individuals that have gone through a painful transition themselves. We also have a bank of, of certified, state-certified counselors of different modalities all over the U.S. We form partnerships with national um, counseling organizations. So when we sit down with, with, with a pastor in the very beginning, you know, they, they may be working with, you know, four different people, a financial coach, a career coach, uh, a, a pastoral coach, as well as counselor. So it's very comprehensive and, and it speaks to all the challenges that are unique to a pastor being let go. That's so much, uh, so much more uh, far reaching that of just a regular employee being let go. Yeah, I mean, this is just 
this just speaks to me so much, Bill. You know, when you presented this at, at Fusion Leaders, which is a faith-based group of, of business leaders that meet in Orange County and, and LA, I, it just really struck me because I wish I would have had this back in 2009. And uh, here at True Legacy, you know, our team is really committed to working with churches and ministers on their financial planning um, needs, you know, both on a church level and a minister level. And, and, you know, I've worked with so many ministers on things like student loans, uh, 403B retirement plans. And, and, you know, we really need to do a better job as a church, helping the ministers help themselves. I, that sounds very unbiblical, but help them to better and, and make their families stronger. Uh, a lot of times churches have very little counseling. They have very little guidance. They, they expect pastors to figure everything out for themselves in terms of their pay structure, housing allowances, social security, retirement. It's just kind of assumed that, that they do it on their own. And there's not many people in, in my arena, the financial services industry, that want to work with ministers and churches because they would rather work for the CEO of, of a large, you know, uh, corporation that's making, you know, 10 times more than the pastor. Uh, but, but really, the, 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 the strength of, of the church is really dependent upon uh, the church taking care of its ministers, the minister is, is worth their labor. Uh, they deserve to be paid. They deserve to uh, know how to best help their families with their wealth uh, and with other areas of, of their life. I, I've literally sat across the table from a, a pastor and his wife in their 60s. They've lived in a parsonage for 30 plus years. He opted out of social security 30 some years ago he has $150,000 sitting in a bank account and he thinks he's rich. And, uh, and in the meantime, his wife is sitting across the table sobbing when I'm telling them that they'll never retire. And, and you know, this is a godly pastor who has served the church well. Uh, he, he's faithfully preached God's word. He, he, he's a wonderful godly man but he's not prepared uh, to, to, for the latter part of their lives. And when they leave that church, when they leave that calling, they're not going to be able to buy a home. They're not going to be able to survive. And, and they're going to have to move in with, with a, a child. And, and no parent ever wants to assume that that's what they're going to have to do. No, no parent wants to be a burden to their children. Uh, and, and so we need to do a better job at, at, at protecting our shepherds. And so I'm just so thankful uh, for the work of, of Pastoral Transitions. Uh, how, how can one of our listeners reach out to you if they need assistance, Bill? Yeah, probably the best way is uh, on our, our website is pastoraltransitions.com. Uh, and there's a number of links there where you can schedule a confidential uh, Zoom with us. Uh, to talk about uh, your church's situation, or you know, we actually end up talking to a lot of pastors, and the most common the, the most common comment we get is that, "Gosh, I wish I had known about you guys X number of years ago." Uh, just like you you referred to Keith, 
Uh, and and we want to be in a position to help those people, and we do. You know, for for, for pastors that have already been let go and they're they're left hanging in the wind, they're hurt, they're they have you know zero resource. We want to be able to serve those, and we do on a pro bono basis. Um, but you know, the 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 you know, I, I love getting into core um, the core reasons to try to prevent situations you know, part of my engineering background, and that is, you know, to really work with leadership and helping them, um, you know, pointing out a better way of doing this, uh, and for them to actually conduct a biblical transition that results in the church multiplying, not dividing. Wonderful. Thank you, Bill, so much for joining us today on the Faith and Money podcast. We look forward to bringing on many interesting guests to discuss the relationship of faith and money. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's been great, Bill. And to our listeners, remember, money should not be your master, but you should be the master of your money. Uh, Crystal and I would love to help you in your journey to master your money to the glory of God. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, please don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with a friend and perhaps an enemy too. Thanks for joining. See you next time.